Sharp Football Analysis Free Week is here, and anyone can get access to Warren Sharp's betting recommendations and Rich Rebar's premium fantasy football content without having to purchase a betting or fantasy package. That includes sides, totals, and all of our fantasy content, which normally sits behind a paywall. Head over to sharpfootballanalysis.com and follow the link in the blue bar at the top of the page. That's sharpfootballanalysis.com for 2020 Free Week. Sign up now. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar and TA. Guys, we've hit week 11. Like, this is, we're, we're getting close. It's almost here. There's, like, we, we kind of know what teams are. There's, we've seen a lot of football, and, and there's less football ahead of us than there is behind us, and, and that, that's a weird feeling right now. Holiday season's coming in. This is a a unique week as well. You know, TA has been you know been on this all season about you know hey these game totals they're they're juicing these totals up. They have to that's they have to combat all these overs that were happening and it it did swing mid season and now this week we're back to kind of in a weird spot where like we don't have a lot of big lines this week. Uh, you know we've got what one two three well, we got four games with over a fifty point total which has not been par for the course of the season. I mean, we've had teams like. Minnesota or like you know teams like Jacks like teams have been carrying like 50 point totals and games are involved because that's the way the NFL has gone this year but this week we have uh, a lot of low totals on the board last week was a low scoring NFL week in in general so maybe it's going to shift back but maybe this is another week to come back and we see offenses bounce back and we see some points put back on the board this week yeah and even tonight the uh the game tonight I think it's 58 is the total it's one of the highest we've ever seen so um, and we, it was 33, 30, I think last time these two, two played each other a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I, I actually enjoy, I thought last week's games were great. I mean, the fact that it was split so much between the one o'clock and four o'clock games really, really helped out because the four o'clock slate was awesome with, uh, with that Arizona, uh, Hail Mary game at the end. And, um, you know, I just thought it was, it was just a really good slate of football. So I'm looking forward to this week as well. Um, obviously right before the holidays, um, you know, have to spend time with, with families and uh, we'll see how many families can actually spend time with each other this year. If It's a Zoom uh, Thanksgiving for a lot of people, but um, you know, I think we've got some uh, really fun games on the slate and uh, I know uh, we'll, we'll hear, you know, I'll talk about a couple of them, but there's some ugly, ugly, bad teams that I'm going to be backing this week. So it's going to be really exciting. <laughs> those, are the, those are the best weeks. Yeah, oh yeah. This, the ones this... you don't want to back. <laughs> Those have never gone wrong for us before. If uh, you guys were listening at the beginning of the year when there was a lot, a lot of Giants backing going on. I mean, Dan, we have to start with the Giants. Come on. They we? are playing well. Do we? You, you they're rag playing on them. They're okay. <laughs> they're, they're fine. They're, they're, placed, they're in the NFC East hunt. That's all I know. They're going to make the playoffs, Dan. That, you know the, the meme that was going around, what, what sounds like a compliment but really isn't? They're in the <laughs> NFC East hunt. It's one of those things. They're gonna, I mean, they're gonna win the, the division. I mean, it's it's who do they have the tiebreaker? I, I even look. Do they have the tiebreaker over the Eagles? Look at the now? Eagles. Look at the Eagles' schedule the rest of the way. I mean, the Eagles' schedule the rest of the season is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, uh, it's not fun. And uh, I, <laughs> I kind of, I, I wrote this up a little bit in first and ten this week, and it, it doesn't really make sense for any of these teams to win the division. They're all better off going with like the top five pick that they're going to get instead of 
getting into the playoffs well, losing in the yeah right someone does <laughs> it kind of makes the most sense like for the eagles to win just as a franchise because they're they're supposed to that's how they're set up they they have kind of this this win now philosophy that they were built for but the the other three teams like they should be doing everything they can to not win the division and and get one of those top five picks if you're dallas you get a top you know at least 10 pick and they're sitting in the top five right now and you can get that with potentially Dak Prescott coming back as long as you have that contract, um, you know, uh, under wraps, which my guy, if you're logical, you should have that contract under under wraps by the off season. Uh, if you're Washington, you might need a, a new quarterback. You have Alex Smith right now who, you know, started off the game last week, throwing deep a little, uh, ended the game throwing deep a little cause they had to, but in the middle of it was Alex Smith going uh you know 85 targets to jd mckissick which is the thing i we might talk about when we get when we get to washington here uh, and then the giants this is a team that still just uh, is not very talented especially on offense even with you know these two daniel jones games that have not had turnovers and the fact that we're talking about daniel jones of having you know turned the corner because he's had two straight games without a turnover you know that's kind of the bar we've set here so uh let's, let's so not jaded. talk so let's hurt. not talk about the nfc east well, real quick all Real, real quick, because I, I thought you made a good point. This has to be. This is probably going to be the biggest uh, gap between not winning a division uh, in terms of draft position and winning the division, right? Like, isn't because isn't it how the draft position works? Is once you make the playoffs, then they get seeded. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in terms of yeah. the draft, so yeah, you might go yeah, from like the eighth pick. You'll go from like the eighth pick to like the twentieth pick, right? Something, from, yeah. Yep. From like a, a half a game win or maybe a tiebreaker by going six and ten or seven and nine and winning uh, winning this band. Yeah, and all these teams are so bad they could use that top draft pick way more than they can like the moral victory of of an NFC East uh, title. Eagles, then roll that in with the Eagles. What is going wrong with the Eagles? That what well, what's gone right for the Eagles? Because I mean they they're going. We have this Cleveland team that is six and three now, and you know they they played two like really ugly home games in like terrible weather. We might get a third, uh, pending what, what what we see. There might be some rain and wind again this Sunday, uh, but this is like an absolute must win game for the Eagles when you look at their schedule. You know coming up, like where are these other wins coming from? If they can't go on the road and win in Cleveland, they're home. They got they've got Seattle, the Packers, the Saints, the Cardinals, the Cow. Then they got Cowboys, Washington football team to wrap up. So maybe they close and you go like five, six wins and that's what wins you the division. Uh, but this is like basically an absolute must win for the Eagles. And they went on the road to that Giants team. And I mean, they, they just, they were, they were that game, the Giants handled them that entire game. And then their game plan of just you, you we talked about a little bit yesterday uh, in, on our call, you know, them t- targeting James Bradbury uh, just repeatedly, like what, what are they doing offensively? And what is Carson Wentz doing this season uh, right now? Because they have to win this game this week. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an Eagles expert, but I've watched some of their games and it's, it's weird what they, um, what they have them do. I mean, anytime he has to like sit and like read defenses and think um, he's kind of a mess and it's, he's much better with these quick drops, you know, two, three step drops, um, get it out quick to, to his, uh, his playmakers. He's, he's much better when he does that, but when he has to sit back, take long drop backs and um, is scanning the field, he's just been really struggling. And, you know, their defense is still from, from, you know, the metric standpoint, you know, looks good on paper, but for whatever reason, they don't always put it together. I actually think this is a really good spot for them against the Browns. I think getting over three is, you know, I'm surprised. I thought it would be, you know, maybe two and a half, three, you know, to get three and a half, I think is a good number for the Eagles. Everyone's down on them. 
they, but they always do this. Whenever they have a bad outing, they go on the road as an underdog. They did it earlier this year when they went to uh, San Francisco. If you remember that Sunday night game, yep. I think they were nine point underdogs that went outright. They did it. Uh, they've done it in the past. They did it a couple of years ago when Nick Foles was in there and they went to, to the, to the Rams and went to LA. They're huge underdogs on Sunday. Night. They won that game. Like they do this a lot when you kind of count them out, they come back uh, as underdogs on the road and, and they come up with a big victory. And here, you know, the matchup, plays in their hands. I mean, the Browns have been killing teams on the ground. We saw that uh, against the Texans last week. You know, the Eagles are a top 10 run defense. You know, they're, they're six in uh, allowing the lowest um, number of explosive runs uh, against the opponents. Um, they are uh, fourth best in adjusted line yards on defense. Um, you know, they don't just, they don't give up a lot on the run game. And then, you know, they generate pressure. They're six in the NFL in pressure rate. And we know we've said this a million times, Baker Mayfield just stinks versus pressure. We saw it against the Ravens. We saw it against the Steelers. Anytime he goes up against pressure, he struggles. So I, I'm a little confused as to why, you know, people are backing the Browns here. I don't, I don't see this as a good spot for them. And I don't see this as a good matchup. Uh, I think the Eagles are ripe to win this game outright. As long as Carson Wentz doesn't screw up and he has been screwing up. Um, they've got some weapons back. They got Miles Sanders to go with Boston Scott. They've got their offensive line relatively healthy. Uh, they've got Dallas Goddard. They got Fulgham who's, you know, uh, sliding into kind of the number two role with Rigor there as well. Alshon Jeffries back. Like they've got weapons. They should be able to move the ball against this, this Browns defense. I think this is a, I think this is a bounce back spot. And if they can't win this game, this, I think their season's dead, honestly. Uh, I just can't imagine them coming back here uh, after uh, two, two horrible outings um, uh, off of a bye and thinking they can win this division. So, um, but I don't know. Uh, otherwise I haven't watched enough film to say what's totally wrong with Carson Wentz. It just seems like, um, you know, anytime he, he has to kind of think out there, he's struggling. Just get quick throws, get, get quick reads, and let the playmakers do, do the work, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing going wrong with Carson Wentz is, is everything. I mean, nothing, nothing is working for the Eagles uh, and the passing game. And you look at – they've had some success with um, those, those quick drops, but I, when you look at everything as a whole, uh, for Sports Info Solutions right now, there have been seven quarterbacks who have at least 100 attempts off zero and one-step drops. Um, the sixth worst has a negative 3.1 EPA. Carson Wentz has negative 34.3 EPA on those dropbacks. So that's like, that is a huge, significant drop. Um, so even on places they're having success, just when you look at overall, it's not. And uh, then you look at how often he's throwing deep. Carson Wentz still has, uh, per next-gen stats, the fourth highest uh, average depth of target. So they're still trying to push the ball downfield. They don't really have receivers right now who can win down the field. Uh, Jalen Rager's uh, been hurt and a little inconsistent when he's been on the field. Uh, Travis Fulgham is either, you know, a superstar or, you know, not doing much. Uh, and w like you said, it's, it's kind of a, I think uh, on the athletic football show over the weekend, I think Nate Tice kind of described it as just like, it's a bunch of just like ideas coming together and, but it's, it's nothing that like a solid plan. It's, it's a whole bunch of plays. Um, so it's just kind of when, when you throw a whole bunch of things together and nothing really has any meaning, nothing is built off something else. It's not like the Rams offense uh, where they have this run game and they're going to build the, the, the passing game off of everything that, that looks the same. Um, it, the Eagles are just, they're just running plays and, and nothing is working right now. And I think that that's a significant factor. And I'm not sure if that's something that can be fixed right now in the middle of the season.
How much is that, though, due to the fact that they've had so much turnover in the in the lineup? I mean, when you have half your offensive line out almost every week, you had essentially had no receivers for a while. You had to bring up Fulgham out of nowhere, and uh, you know, how, and Miles Sanders gets hurt. Like, how much of that is just they just don't have an identity because they just don't know who's on their roster every week? So, um, you know, maybe maybe some of that can be you know um, rectified with you know, finally getting all their pieces back at the same time. But you're right. It does seem like, and I think it's a good point. It does seem like they're just kind of cobbling together a bunch of plays, but really no, um, there's no theme to it. There's no kind of flow to it. So we'll see. Uh, they've got a shot here this week. and uh, They've been favored in six of their nine games this year, which is, which, so that shows you the perception of, you know, even, you know, public perception, but even when they're set, how they come out in these models, you know, on paper, what they look like as a team, like T.A. ran through all those defensive metrics they're good at. They, yeah, they're, they, supposed they, they're, yeah, they're, they're supposed to be good. They are supposed to be a good, they're supposed to be a good team. Uh, interesting enough, they're the, two of the three games they've covered, they've been dogs, like T.A. said. So, I mean, this is maybe a spot. They've only been dogs three times and uh, Pittsburgh, San Francisco and Baltimore. This is just, and the Browns really aren't even, I don't consider them in that class. Uh, of any of those teams and you know granted that was a mid-season 49ers team and not the one they're putting on the field now so yeah I mean this might be a spot to 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 kind of give them one more shot uh with you getting the hook yeah it it might be well we'll see but let's let's maybe talk about some good teams now um what, what other games are you guys uh looking at this week we want to talk good teams or bad teams because I've got bad teams I could talk about. I mean, I if we still want to talk about some bad teams, let's. I guess let's do it. Well, it's a bad team versus a good team versus maybe the best team, right? So I'm on Jacksonville and the under under this week, like going up against the Steelers, and you know, oh, yeah, getting, sure, lay this out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let, let's lay it because we talked about this on the pod before. I mean, first game of the year, right? Uh, we talked about this when Pittsburgh went up to New York. Um, you know, this Steelers team just for whatever reason. They historically, under Mike Tomlin, struggle in this spot as a road favorite, especially a big road favorite. Um, they've really, really um, crapped the bed. I mean, they did it two weeks ago when they went to Dallas. You know, they were 14-point favorites, and they were down. They were trailing most of that game and needed a, a last, you know, uh, fourth-quarter comeback just to win uh, against the Garrett Gilbert-led uh, Dallas team. So when you look, you know, under Mike Tomlin on the road against a sub-500 team, they're only 15 and 29 against the spread, 34%. Okay. When you isolate just not out of division opponents. Okay. So out of division and favor by over three points. So essentially they're clearly the better team. Um, and these are, you know, this is not division rivalry. So maybe not as motivated. It drops down even further to five, 13 and one against the spread 27.7%. Okay. Um, if you look at just double digits um, as double digit favorites on the road, they're one in 10 against the spread and only seven and four straight up, which is, you know, sounds, oh, seven, four is not bad. Well, when you only have a 64% win percentage uh, in games where based on the, the spread, you're talking about, you know, they're essentially favored by, you have a probability to win by at least 86% in all of those games. You know, when you're a 10 point favorite, it's essentially an 86% chance to win that game. Um, up until 14 points, you're talking about, you know, 90% range, you're only winning 64% of those games. So clearly underperforming. And the average margin in these games, when they're favored by double digits, is only 2.4 points. Like they're, they're eking out these wins. So I, I think, you know, this is a perfect scenario for the Jaguars to come in and keep this game close. And let's not forget, the Steelers play the, the Ravens on Thanksgiving uh, this week. 
So they clearly have a, you know, a, a letdown or kind of look ahead factor here um, for uh, coming up against Jacksonville. You know, I, maybe they learned their lesson two weeks ago against Dallas, but I just, I, there's just the sample size is just too big um, for, for me to ignore. And then you look at the under, I'm, I'm under 47 and a half. It's already ticked down to 46 and a half, um, you know, maybe because of this trend. But, you know, part two of this is just Steeler games on the road when they're favored have gone under 25 of their last 30 games with Big Ben at quarterback. I mean, this is back to 2013. Um, and as a road favorite, the Steelers have Steelers games have not gone over 47 total points in 24 straight games. OK, I mean, that they haven't gone over uh, 45 points in 18 straight games. Like, it's unbelievable. They, they, they do not go uh, score a lot of points uh, both ways. Um, and they don't cover. So for me, I'm just I'm just going to blindly take this under and this uh, Jacksonville trend, and I'm going to see and, and pray that uh, Pittsburgh decides not to not to show up this week. But um, you know, I just think this is too much. It, the sample size is too big to ignore here um, for me to to pass on. So you know, uh, good luck, Jake Luton, against that pass rush. But uh, I have faith in you. This for whatever reason you're going to pull it off. So I'll take the ten points and the under forty seven and a half. Well, since two thousand and eight. The Steelers have been double-digit road dogs in 11 games. They they have yeah, road favorites by double digits, and they are 1-10 against the spread, and the under's gone 8-3. Uh, it's, it's, this is one of those spots like we kind of talked about. It. We kind of didn't get to it that week they played the Cowboys. We had talked about it before the show and just ran out of time and didn't get to it because there were better games on the slate. So that's why we're starting with these bad teams early. Uh, the Steelers are interesting on, from an on-field perspective right now as well because they have not been able to run the football now for three straight weeks, and they've faced the Cowboys and the Bengals the past two weeks. And in, that, in the Bengals game, they were up 30 points, and they still couldn't run the football and it couldn't establish. They've really shifted away – to just turn in this short passing game as like their, their running game of recently. It'll be interesting to see if they go to that. I've, I've seen some whispers that they, they've been trying to run too much outside zone and they, they want to go back to like running more power. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but they've really struggled the past three weeks to run the football against teams that have not stopped the run game at all this season. And in when game script last week, having game script to run the football at home is huge home favorites and they still couldn't run the football. Um, and they just stopped trying basically. So, I mean, I'm curious to see when they go into this Jacksonville team that is just so bad against the pass. I mean, they are 32nd in the NFL and EPA against the pass. They have nine sacks this season, uh, by far the fewest in the league. Uh, so do the Steelers just lean into that and say, you know what, we're instead of just trying to establish that run game and try to figure out what's going on, like we can just go out and have Ben throw you know, 35 to 40 short passes, and we just bleed them down the field again, uh, like we did the Bengals. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they approach this game. But, yeah, th- those trends with with the Steelers' unders and the Steelers not covering these huge teams and playing down, like the sample is just, like, too crazy. I think that you just do it. You hold your you hold your nose, like T.A. said, uh, even though it's Jake Luton against that Steelers pass rusher, and then you just take those points or take that under, uh, and then you just don't watch that game. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to definitely watch it. And you'll know right away. That's the thing about like, you know, I'm a contrarian player. A lot of times, you, you know, when you take these kind of ugly dogs, you'll know within the first, you know, five to 10 minutes of the game, how, how, you know, if they're going to have a shot. I mean, if, if it's like the opening drive and Luton gets, you know, pressured by a Watt and fumbles and it's strip sack and it's just like, okay, uh, we know kind of how this is going to go. But, um, you know, look, they, they hung in there tough against, um, 
they should have beaten Houston, and then they hung in tough against uh, the, the Packers last week. So, you know, they haven't given up on the season. Uh, Luton's got a strong arm, at least. I mean, he, he's really struggled against pressure, which, again, it's, it's a short sample. But, um, <laughs> yeah. They can run the ball. I mean, James Robinson has been really good. He's their third in explosive run rate. And the one thing, the, you know, Steelers are great against the run, number one in the NFL. But they have allowed a lot of explosive runs. We saw Miles Sanders a few weeks ago. Um, you know, he, he put up a huge run against them. So they have allowed random, like, long runs. So maybe a break one or two off, um, you know, get some points there. And you just hope that uh, the Steelers kind of play this safe. You know, again, the Steelers are not going to want to – I doubt they're just going to want to throw the ball all over the field and – you know, they're not going to open up the playbook here when you've got the Ravens coming up in, in four days. Um, you're going to keep everything close to the vest and just try to get out of there with a, with a you know, a, a 20, to, 20 to 13 win type of, type of thing. So that's my hope. We'll see what happens. But probably enough talk about the Jags and the Steelers, especially the Jags. Uh, anything else? Do What do you like this week, uh, Rich? Anything else that, that you've kind of circled as either a game with a ton of uh, DFS potential or just a side that you like? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, why don't keep the theme going, right? Like in this one, there's no, like, no one's ever going to like want to back this, but, uh, the Cowboys, man, I was going to uh, say Dallas. That's my next pick. What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, what wrong with you two? What are we doing? <laughs> That's how you win money in, in sports betting, Dan. You got to be <laughs> contrary. You got to take these ugly teams. It, this has actually gone down. So I actually don't feel like this is like, I was like, my initial feeling was that terrible. Uh, because it was started at nine and it's down to seven already. So Dallas has gotten some love here. I mean, I just refuse to one believe that Andy Dalton is as bad as the seven quarters we've seen him. Like, I don't think Andy Dalton is as good as Dak Prescott by any margin. I don't think that he's uh, in the upper echelon quarterbacks. Andy Dalton is like a, a a proven resume in the NFL of being like a functional quarterback, and like he wasn't a functional quarterback on any level uh, for those seven games. Uh, Minnesota has come out of the bye and played better defense. Um, but, you know, you look at last week, it was Nick Foles. The week before, you know, they, the Stafford, he gets knocked out of the game. And then the week before that, it was Aaron Rodgers and kind of like some weird wind. And Rodgers still hit a couple big plays. Um, but they have played better and not and not at all in points like they did prior to the bye. But, I mean, got, I mean, I just – this Cowboys team is too talented, I believe, just to, to be this bad on offense. I just I have a hard time still buying it. Uh and so, I mean, I, I look at that line, I think I catch more than a touchdown against the Minnesota team that I think that the perception is starting to shift on, but I still don't think they have the pieces defensively. I think it's kind of a good spot for the Cowboys to cover. Well, here's the thing too. Like you said, you know, the offenses, they still have a ton of good weapons. I mean, um, as long as you can get the ball out quick and you don't have to worry about a pass rush. I mean, the, the Vikings have no pass rush, right? Um, and last week against Nick Foles, I mean, they, they blitzed the house a lot on him because he's just clueless and the Bears offense is just a complete dumpster fire. They have no weapons outside of Allen Robinson. They don't even they have started a, a wide receiver at running back. But yeah, exactly. So where we are with the Bears. Yeah, I mean, you can run on this Vikings defense and, and you know, the, the, you still got Zeke. He's coming off a bye. You know, maybe he's healthier. They still have Pollard. And you just get it out to those receivers and they can make plays against this secondary. I mean, the secondary is horrible for, for Minnesota. I mean, obviously the, the safeties are really good. Uh, we know that Harrison Smith is really good. Anthony Harris is solid. Um, but, I mean, the, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line is getting a little healthier. Um, you know, they're not as beat up as they were, um, you know, when they faced the, uh, Washington a couple of weeks ago. You know, they held their own against that Steelers pass rush. So, you know, you get a little bit of a break here against a, a, a moderate to, to, you know, below average pass rush and secondary. I think you can you can put up enough points to keep this game interesting. And, 
look, this is still a Mike Zimmer uh, team. They're going to want to run the ball a lot and Dalvin cook will have success against this defense, but they're not going to, they're probably not going to try and, you know, open it up too much. Um, and they're coming off a short week. I mean, it's pretty rare to have a team off a, a road Monday night game going up against a team off a bye. I mean, that's an enormous rest advantage this late in the season. Um, you know, that's not easy to do. So I think there are some advantages here for, for the Cowboys. And, you know, again, they haven't given up. They showed against the Steelers before the bye that they're, they're still trying hard. Uh, and Mike McCarthy does have some really good uh, trends off a of bye. He's like 11-3, and three, I think, against the spread. Not that it matters too much here because it's a totally different team. But, you know, he has proven that he can um, at least get his team motivated after, after a bye week. Just think there's too many um, – too many weapons here on offense for Dallas against a, a mediocre to bad defense to, to not take, you know, I, I got it at nine. It's, I think it's seven now, probably because it's trending towards Dalton playing, but um, I, I think this is, this is a good spot for them. And look at, you know, Dan kind of scoffs at us with these bad teams, but really when you, when you look historically teams that start off a season as poorly as Dallas did against the spread tend to start covering in the second half of the year when you're not expecting it. We've seen it with the jets. I mean, the jets didn't cover a single game and now they've covered two straight, I believe. So, you know, it, it, eventually the market catches up and um, you know, these bad teams do start uh, covering some games. Um, and so I think this is, this is one of those. The market can never completely catch up to Joe Flacco. <laughs> uh, um, I think it, it, this this game is a, a little interesting because of you know like you said Minnesota's defense has uh, improved a little bit right now they're tenth in DVOA um, that's split between eleventh against the pass and fifteenth uh, against the run um, but you know Dallas hasn't been able to do quite enough in either and like I, I agree that Andy Dalton should be better than than he was but we also now have the Andy Dalton coming off of a concussion and COVID. Um, so that's not the greatest combination I would like to have my starting quarterback uh, returning from. But you would think there are the weapons there that they, sh- they should be able to take advantage of. But also, you know, we've been saying that since Dak Prescott went down with whoever has been that quarterback uh, for Dallas. And then you look at Dallas's defense. Uh, we think about how many big plays they've, they've given up through the air. Right now they're 18th in pass defense DVOA and they're 28th in run defense DVOA. Uh, so when you're going against Dalvin Cook right now in a Minnesota team, that's just they want to run the ball. That's that's all they really want to do. They don't care. And I'm not sure if you have anyone who's going to cover Justin Jefferson. Um, and if you do that, then who's covering Adam Thielen? I know Chidobi Awuzie uh, should be coming back. And he played as one of their best corners uh, in the first two games games before he got hurt um but they're without Trayvon Diggs so a weak secondary is still kind of weak you're only getting a one-to-one replacement and not getting actual um uh you know uh the more depth coming in so uh, it's interesting but again Dallas is one of those other teams like even with Dalton they they should be good they should be much better than they have been and that's kind of why we've talked about the Cowboys so often because they they, they should be and better than they are, even the way they are constructed right now. That defense has more talent than it's played. Uh, but again, we've, we've talked about Mike Nolan, who just hasn't been a good defensive coordinator um, in like a, a decade. Um, and he's barely been a defensive coordinator in a decade. And back when he was a defensive coordinator with the Falcons, uh, it was also not good. So uh, well, it's real quick. I, I found this because TA brought up something that just triggered me and I wanted to look it up. So since 2000, there have only been two games where a team has played off of a bye against a team that played on the road on Monday night. That's it. This is a very weird 
scenario. It's happened just twice since 2000. Uh, Warren wrote an article this you know, preseason about like schedule and equity and how team, like the NFL just doesn't look at stuff like this. And this might just be one of those weird things because uh, it's only the third time since 2000 this has happened. Well, it did, didn't uh, Miami play the Rams in the same spot two weeks ago, three weeks ago? I think the Rams had played uh, – or they weren't on the road, but they were a Monday night game, and they did have to go yeah. all the way to Miami. I only um, looked up uh, on a, a road Monday night games because you yeah, said – but- but, yeah, and so I mean, I think this is just is a good you know good rest advantage again, and it's this late in the season. I mean, sometimes if you get a rest advantage in week four, it's not really that big of a deal. But we're talking about week eleven here, um, and I will say you know you did mention Dan that the you know the Minnesota defense is trending upwards, but I think even even a, a metric like DVOA doesn't account for everything. So because it's all about you know opponents, right? Uh, and it's based on you know if you're just kind of an average team, you know what is the um, how have you performed against. Um, you know, your opponent and it's adjusted for that on a play-by-play basis. But look, they played Green Bay in a high windstorm. It was like 50 mile an hour winds. Green Bay couldn't throw the ball. So you kind of get skewed from that perspective. You didn't really face, you know, the great pass offense that you normally see from, from Green Bay. The next week you played the Lions without Kenny Galladay. And we know the Lions are a completely different offense uh, without Galladay. And then you face the Bears who didn't even have a running back and they're not good anyway. So I, I just think some of that, we just have to temper uh, that a little bit. Um, so I think they're a little bit better, but I'm still not convinced that they're just, you know, they're even above average at this point. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's interesting. And it's something we should, should keep in mind here, but um, you know, uh, again, another bad team. Let's talk some good teams. Is there anybody, <laughs> is there a good, I mean, I think, I think this Rams Tampa game is really, really interesting. I, I think it's going to, I think it's an under, I didn't hit it because I'm scared to death to take, you know, a lot of unders uh, <laughs> anymore in the NFL. But, I mean, you're talking about two defenses that just don't allow explosive plays, that don't let you run the ball. I mean, the Rams um, the Rams don't let you throw it, actually. I mean, I know there's been some articles on, on you know, what the great work Brandon Staley's been doing um, defensively, bringing some college level of uh, um, strategies to the NFL, uh, keeping everything in front of them. They're, not, they're just essentially inviting teams to run the ball, especially on third downs. I, there was a, a screenshot of – you know, Seattle had like a third and five um, and they literally played two defensive linemen uh, on the edges and, and that, and they just, they just invited uh, Russell Wilson to run it and they did, they didn't run it. And so I think it's kind of an interesting strategy. They're funneling teams that way and teams aren't really taking advantage and it's smart. I mean, we've always, we've talked about like, let teams run on you. Just don't let them throw, keep everything in front. And Jalen Ramsey's playing awesome and Donald's playing awesome. And Leonard Floyd is starting to pick things up. I think this is going to be a tight, low scoring battle. We know that Jared Goff, Struggles against pressure, especially pressure up the middle. So, you know, can he get enough time to make some plays uh, against his Tampa defense? I'm not sure. I think this is going to be a great matchup and, you know, could be kind of an old school, low, low scoring, uh, low scoring game. So I'm curious to get any of your guys thoughts on, on any of that in this matchup. Well, well, I'll apologize to the Rams for last week. Listen, I was one of those people I needed to see them face a, a good quarterback and play good defense. I was like kind of not really counting their defensive stats at this point in the season. Not not counting them, but just kind of, you know, keeping an eye like, yeah, let's see how real these are when they start playing real quarterbacks because the only good quarterback they had faced was Josh Allen to that point in the season, you know, coming into last week. And 
Uh, I mean, they did the Seattle did absolutely nothing in the second half of that game. Uh, they did less than nothing. And they, you know, Russ made some bad, bad decisions. Uh, I thought Dan did a really good job of highlighting Russ on the first interception. Cause I know when you see that from the TV angle and you're like, well, how could he even make a decision like that? And then Dan did a real good job. I think in first and 10 of breaking down what Russ saw and how the initial read w- was open, but he got moved off of a spot. And, you know, by the time he had scrambled, uh, you know, it was too late. And then, you know, Darius Williams makes a phenomenal play peeling off. Uh, you know, it doesn't look, you know, we see sometimes on TV angle where like, oh man, that guy's either wide open, but you see things from the ground level or the all 22 and you're like, yeah, it's easy to see how this mistake was made. I don't think that is as egregious as some people let on, but, you know, circling back to this matchup, I think you're right. This is when you look at these two defenses paired with these two quarterbacks and we've got two quarterbacks that are significantly worse against pressure uh, than they are when kept clean. I mean, Jared Goff, out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks, Jared Goff is dead last at 35 at minus 5.2 yards per pass attempt, and Tom Brady is 30th at minus 3.5 yards per pass attempt. Win, pressure versus kept clean. Uh, so you got two teams that want to bring pressure. They don't give up big plays. Uh, parts of the Bucks do give up some big splash plays, but not on a parade base. They just bring so much heat sometimes that they end up giving up big plays uh, you, you, when you blitz that much. Uh, the Rams do not blitz as much uh but they're good at getting home with just their front their front four um and then you look at this this weird thing at the primetime games at the bucks this year and it, you could tell it's in their heads like bruce arians has moved practice this week tonight to, to they're practicing at night this week which shows you like it's like in their head like what's going on with them they're zero and three uh against the spread this season on primetime one and two overall they probably should have lost that giants game as well outright but didn't they pull it out um but they have not played well. Brady hasn't played well in these primetime games. Obviously it's easy to pick on his, you know, cause he goes to bed at six 30 and use that narrative, but uh, they haven't played well and you can see it's in their head. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what Dan's got to say from like X and O standpoint. But I mean, I look at it on paper and I see two teams that don't give up big plays. They get after the quarterback and two quarterbacks that struggle against pressure. Uh, and it has a signal to kind of be more of a slugfest than people want it to be. Because you look back to last year, these teams played like a, a really bonkers game in LA. Uh, but these, these guys before Jalen Ramsey, the Bucks are a different team than they were now. That, remember the, the first half of the Bucks season last year, they were just a defense we picked on repeatedly. And they got better the back half, and it's rolled into this year. And that Rams defense is completely different than it was last year. Because they played, like, a really, really wild game at the start of last year. Uh, so I'm curious to hear what Dan's got to say about it. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, I think really fun to watch. Because especially the Rams, just on both sides of the ball. Everything is just kind of misdirection and uh, trying to make you think one thing's coming before another one does. And that, that's what they did a lot, especially on defense um, last week against Seattle. And, you know, like you said, they, they were kind of inviting Seattle to throw, but they, they kind of had to because Seattle was down, uh, you know, fairly early. So they had to catch up. So they were going to be passing anyway, but they had a, a lot of pressure looks where it looks like they're going to bring the blitz. Um, and then they're kind of using those, those sim pressures where uh, a couple guys are, are dropping back, but not exactly the guys you think who are going to be dropping back. Uh, are dropping back and then you still only rush four but there's still one-on-ones or a free rusher and uh, there were a couple times uh, like that there was uh, one Leonard Williams sack I think of, of Russell Wilson uh, where it was only a four-man rush um, but uh, against a uh, five-man protection um, but because of the way the Rams dropped guys back and who was supposed to be Wilson's responsibility um, among those defenders uh, the Rams still got a free rusher on a four-man rush and, and it was an easy sack um, so I think we're going to see that and, and I think that's going to make, 
confuse Tom Brady uh, a little bit because I think we're seeing a lot more defenses start to do that, really just mush up what uh, quarterbacks are going to be seeing, um, you know, pre-snap and then what they see post-snap. And I think when you when you look at Brady, his numbers were incredible last week. And I wrote this in first 10, but he kind of looked off. It was kind of, especially early in the game, it was one of the most kind of off games I've seen uh, Brady recently, uh, especially in his Tampa Bay tenure. I think he was even more off than like the, the Monday night game against the Giants. Uh, he missed a couple of deep passes. I think he was bailed out by some really good plays uh, by receivers. There were a couple, you know, uh, Chris Godwin, um, nice catches. The, the actual touchdown he threw to Mike Evans, he missed Mike Evans in the end zone a couple times. The actual touchdown he threw, when I saw that first on the TV copy, I thought that was like a hundred mile per hour fastball that was headed toward like the second row. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mike Evans is just uh, leaping up out of nowhere to come down and catch it. It was a ball that didn't need to be placed that high or thrown as fast as it was. So I think that, that was a little off there. So I'm going to be real interested to see uh, how that translates uh, going forward. Um, as they're working in all of these wide receivers. And then when you look at the, the Ram side, like, what, what is Jalen Ramsey going to do? Um, is he just going to you know, be able to cover anybody? Are they going to put him back in that kind of that star position? Because last week they, they put him on DK Metcalf um, and he hasn't always been, you know, the, that shadow corner uh, this season. So, and I think that's interesting. And I think with, with the Rams, I think it's going to be whether they can get an early lead or not. If they can get an early lead um, and be able to keep uh, some of their, their motions and that play action going, um, then, then that's, that's fine. And it's probably going to be a close game. They're going to be able to, continue to do what they're doing uh but if uh, they they get behind and then that's the thing we've you know seen with the rams they get behind jared goff now has to go more of a straight drop back game um that that jet motion doesn't do as much um opening up space as it does when when they're in control of the game scripts uh and that's when the rams really get themselves into trouble so i think we're, we're really going to see what this game ends up being in like you know the, the probably the first quarter uh because that's going to tell whether it's going to be close or whether one of these teams is going to have to play catch up uh, and even with, I think, the the Tampa Bay receivers, I'm not sure if they're a great catch-up team right now either. Uh, so I think this game, we're going to see what it is really early. AB's got some juice still, though, man. Uh, he is not – like. He has not looked like he's been off for two years of football. Uh, you know, he, he absolutely cooked that that safety on that first one that should have been a walk-in oh, touchdown. Uh, I mean, he, he definitely has, has looked good uh, physically, you know, since coming off of the suspension list. Yeah, no, I, I think it's um, – yeah, he did. He had – that. see, that is like a clear-cut guys that, that – haven't haven't played together right <laughs> like like Antonio Brown was heading towards the pylon and Brady threw it essentially middle of the field like he was going you know directly um towards the towards the the goal post so um no I I, I think uh it'll be interesting to see what they do with Ramsey you know are they just going to keep him kind of moving all over the field or I doubt that he'll shadow anybody I mean maybe you know he'll spend more time on on uh on Godwin but yeah it's just when you've got so many weapons here um it's tough to to, to stick to one guy, but you know, they've got, um, you know, some extra time to prep for this game. I think it's gonna be fun. Uh, I think it's a really good game, you know, kind of a good chess match, uh, but I want to get your guys thoughts. On, so one other side that I like, um, I've only hit a couple games and I think I've talked about them all. The one other side that I took actually this morning, uh, the more I thought about it, I liked, I took the Falcons getting five in New Orleans and, you know, I was on the Niners last week and just, I can't believe they didn't cover that, you know, 10 point spread. They outgained, they outgained the Saints. They they did everything they were supposed to do. It was a perfect setup. It was kind of a letdown spot for the Saints. I mean, Breeze gets hurt. 
they outgain them, they out first down them per play, everything on a per play basis. They they did better than than the Saints. All the only thing they screwed up was the turnovers, and they fumbled. They botched two punts, two punts. in their own territory. Okay, led the fourteen points, and then uh, Mullins threw a bad interception when they were driving in the first half, and then he threw. You know, they had a shot to cover at the end, and he just threw it in the end zone. It was a great play by Patrick Robinson, but you know, four turnovers really really killed them. But you know, the Saints didn't play that great, and once Jameis came in, he struggled. Um, negative EPA per play. It was only six of ten for sixty yards. I just, I am not one that buys that Jameis can just step right into. Uh, an offense that is predicated on the short and intermediate passing game and then just not go back to his old ways. Like, and I don't think they're going to completely change the offense just for a couple of games for him. Um, I think he, they're going to continue to do what they've been doing. And I don't, I just can't, I don't think he's going to, he's going to be tempted. He's going to be way too tempted to, to go downfield and to press, press the, uh, the, the defense uh, more than, than, you know, uh, I think Peyton wants him to do. And I'm not sure he's, he's really built for this type of offense. He, he should have thrown two interceptions last week. He threw one right into the linebacker's hands. And, um, you know, so for whatever reason, they, he dropped the ball. But I, I'm just not one that buys Jameis is stepping in and completely changing this offense. And, look, look at the receivers for the Saints. They're not down the field guys. I mean, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, um, they're, they're intermediate guys. They're not guys that are going to blow the cover off the defense. So, um, I want to see how he reacts and if he can kind of stick to the game plan. And obviously they're going to pepper in Taysom Hill, which from a, an Atlanta backer side, I want to see more of. Uh, feel free to stick Taysom Hill in there, uh, more snaps. I, I'm, I'm fine with that if that's what you want to do. And the Falcons have a really good run defense, top 10 in the NFL. Uh, and the other side of the ball, uh, I think that Matt Ryan has, you know, he's historically played really well against the state, Saints defense. Both teams know each other. He knows how the Saints defense is going to, um, you know, attack him. And the Saints run defense is best. I think they're best in the NFL. One of the best that we've seen in a while, actually. And I'm glad that, that you know, they're going up against a team that stops run because I just don't want to see Todd Gurley run the ball anymore. So maybe this forces Atlanta to just go heavy pass, you know, pass offense. Um, and not, you know, deal with running the football and just let Matt Ryan throw the ball against the secondary that has really struggled. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore has not played well at all this year. Patrick Robinson has, but he's really the only one. Uh, I think that as long as Calvin Ridley um, can play this week, and it sounds like he's trending that way. I know he was limited yesterday in practice, but, you know, I would assume off a bye and off of missing last week, last game, he should be able to play. They got enough weapons to, to keep this game, you know, within five. And, you know, Dan Quinn's not there to screw things up. I mean, I think Raheem Morris has, has done well as a coach in an interim basis. And I think um, kind of you, you put it, put that all together in a pot. And I think the Falcons getting over a field goal is a good number. And um, I'm excited for the Jameis era as a, as a Falcons uh, backer on defense. I want to see, uh, see what he can do against, <laughs> uh, against this defense with, uh, with those, uh, with that offense. So curious what, if, if you guys have any thoughts on, do you think Jameis is just going to step in and just throw the ball all over the field or is he going to, is going to have to stick to that game plan? Yeah, I kind of think it's, it's probably going to be somewhere in between, obviously the way they're, they're structured. They don't have a lot, like you said, they, they don't have a lot of guys who are going to get vertical. And that was, you know, part of what we talked about early in the season with Drew Brees of why not having the deep ball, it wasn't exactly an issue. It was a bigger issue without Michael Thomas on the field. Um, you just because that the, the value wasn't there with the, those short passes. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. They, they don't have those guys unless, you know, 
Or we could see, you know, Traquan Smith as, you know, a, a 10 target guy uh, somehow. And that, that might end up being a connection that works a, a little bit. Um, but I could see Jameis throwing a whole bunch of slants to Michael Thomas. This might finally be, you know, the, the Michael Thomas, Thomas breakout game. We've kind of been waiting for him to show any sign of 2019 Michael Thomas. And it's just, you know, with that injury and it's how slow some of that offense has been. Um, it hasn't quite been there. Uh, we might see Alvin Kamara uh, run some deeper routes. Uh, maybe, maybe we get some wheels. Uh, Jameis throwing a wheel to Alvin Kamara. I think that would be a lot of fun. And if I'm the Saints, that's probably something I'm trying to put in the playbook. So I can see that. I could see maybe uh, hitting the seams a little more with the tight ends. I think there's, there's places where on the edges you could be pushing it uh, a little more. I think Oh, last week we kind of saw when Winston came in, it was, it was, you know, the, the Drew Brees game plan. And then there's only so much you can completely change on the fly in game or with a quarterback change like that. So I think he kind of had to do what the plays were given there. But I think with a week of preparation, they'll open it up a little more because you just, you don't want Jameis throwing, you know, two yard dump offs. Um, uh, that that's that's not the type of quarterback Jameis Winston is. That's not what he excels at. That's what Drew Brees excels at, and that's why the Saints do that. Um, it, it's not just that Drew Brees can't throw deep. It's that he gets so much value there off of those uh, off of those short passes. So I, I think we'll see a, a little more uh, going there. And I think I, I don't want to say what this you know how good the, the Saints offense is going to be uh, until we kind of see it. So I think it. it if, if you want to bet against it, that's probably, you know, not, not a bad idea because, you know, Jameis Winston is going to turn the ball over. And I'm not sure he has the weapons there because one of the reasons Jameis Winston was so valuable, especially like in, in EPA sense with all of those interceptions, because he was able to make up for it with the big plays and the touchdowns. Not totally sure if, if that high volume there is going to be something they'll be able to replicate uh, with New Orleans. But I think we'll see them they'll push the ball down the field just a, a little more. So I think it's probably going to be somewhere in between uh, what he was last week and what he was uh, with with Tampa Bay um, and wh- where that leaves us you know who actually knows well I'll say <laughs> well I'll say you know the one I mean the, the value with Drew Brees even though he does go short he's so damn accurate and he leads Kamara right. perfectly on some of these swing passes I mean can Jameis do that I don't know I mean Rich is is Traquan Smith or Jared Cook are they like deep, deep uh, sleepers from a DFS per- perspective that in case, you know, we do see Jameis attack down the field <laughs> that those guys could have some, some sneaky value. What do you, I mean, is there any, well, cook for sure. Well, cook for sure. Just because I mean, in the matchup, he, he has been the last two years, their actual deep threat, Jared Cook has, right. you know, in, in rate of 20 yard catches and in, in a dot and then getting used in the red zone. So he, he actually has sleeper appeal. And if you remember, you know, Jameis's history, he is consistently, utilized his tight end and he has not had a lot of great tight ends I mean even going back to college Nick O'Leary won the Mackey award with Jameis Winston and Nick O'Leary has shorter arms than my four-year-old son uh like it's it's crazy like (laughs) that dude won (laughs) that dude won the Mackey award but uh yeah he's like built like a platypus uh but you know Jameis has used his tight ends well so it's gonna be interesting to see when he has an athletic tight end how he utilizes them I'm with Dan I'm I'm just kind of in the air like it's gonna be somewhere in the middle I mean we Jameis has propensity to run hot and cold and i think that's just experience will be fun 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he and he has experience against this defense as well. It's not like he's, you know, hey, he hasn't seen what this defense That's has true. to offer. Um, but I mean, I, I just feel like Jameis as a quarterback is what he is. And, and we're going to have a, a parts of the game where he looks good and parts of the game where he's probably kind of sketchy and they have some shorter drives. Uh, this is a game too. I do like the over in this game for it being one of the higher overs on the table um, because of Jameis's propensity to potentially give a turnover away. You know, that always helps the over when we get some defensive scores or some short fields and the saints were playing like to start the season, they were playing overs, like just it, their first seven games went over and the last two have gone under uh the tampa one was just more the tampa side not doing their part saints scored 31 and a half and still went under um and then it's last week just they just did not look good uh even with breeze in and maybe it just played into you know breeze just being hurt that first half uh but the 49ers are one of those teams like they're tough to get a pulse on they are very jekyll and hyde this year uh defensively you know every time we think the 49ers defense is just like the one of the worst defenses in the league it comes back the following week and like and they play like and they play solid solidly and that's what they well they're good when you What's that? They're 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 much because they're so good defending underneath. That's why I like yeah. them last week. So good defending underneath, and that's exactly what the Saints Saints do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you attack them downfield, they're you know they get beat. But yeah, when they when they when they play teams that are just kind of short dink and dunk type teams like the, the Saints, they look a lot better. So yeah, yeah. I, I, that was a weird matchup for for New Orleans. But I, I, it's interesting to say the over. I think there's two two different ways to look at it. One, like I mentioned. Atlanta's not going to be able to run the ball at all. So they're going to throw a lot more, right? Which leads to more overs, obviously. Uh, and then the other side of the ball. Yeah, both teams uh, stop the run really well. Right. And the other side of the ball, I mean, what would kill your over is just Sean Payton's love affair with Taysom Hill, right? Like he's just going to – maybe maybe Jameis struggles in the first quarter and he's all right, we're going to run a lot more Taysom Hill and just run him up the middle 20 times and that shoes clock. Like that's the only way that, you know, that really kind of – um, hurts your your over, but I think otherwise you're right. I think that's a, that's a smart way to look at it because Jameis is going to push it. He's going to push it with with points, or he's going to push it with turnovers. You're going to well, get one. one thing or the other. I still the one thing I still don't believe with the Taysom Hill, and I think he's kind of an interesting play. Uh, not to make this a fantasy take because I'm Fanduel is tight end eligibility, which is kind of helps if you get the usage spike. Because tight end is a terrible position, and Travis Kelsey isn't on the main slate this week. But I don't really think that they're they have any desire to have him drop back and make reads in the passing game. No, so I don't think real. he's like I don't think we're gonna see him like get a spike in actual dropbacks. Uh, like he he might run some uh, design passes where it's like make one read and then, then tuck it and run. But they have they have really kind of shown no desire to make him like an actual quarterback. Uh, you know the past two years, despite you know what they pay pay him and you know the narrative around around that. Uh, so I do think it'll be a largely a lot of Jameis when it's drop back to pass situations. Uh, like you said, yeah, if they get a lead, do they try to run him? That's where the Falcon side. You hopefully that run defense comes into play. Um, they, they have gotten some pressure on the quarterback of late as well. They've faced some, some pretty sketchy quarterbacks uh, since Raheem Morris has kind of come into the fold as well. Uh, so it's tough to, to draw there. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun game. I mean, listen, seeing, seeing Jameis in that number two, got I got Aaron Brooks vibes all over me. Uh, number two, I, I love it. Just give me that Aaron Brooks life. Because Aaron Brooks was the same kind of quarterback. But, you know, he's a little more mobile than Jameis, um, who's not immobile. But Aaron Brooks would be a, was a little more scattershot. But, you know, he'd turn it over but make some downfield plays. Uh, Aaron Brooks was a fun quarterback, man. <laughs> 
Jameis, Jameis looked good though. Like he, I don't know if it was like the, the all black that was slimming, but like he looked, <laughs> the aesthetic was working. He looked way better. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. He just like, he, he like looked like a more fit quarterback. I don't know if that's going to have anything to do with the quality of him as quarterback. Um, but you know, I, he, he looked, he, I thought he, he looked pretty good. So um, it's, that's going to be one of the interesting things. So uh, before we head out, I want to hit on one more game. And I want your guys' take on this uh, as people who kind of, uh, you know, understand the lines uh, more than I do. Why are the Dolphins only three and a half point favorites uh, over the Broncos, even though uh, it is on the road? Good question. I mean, I know they, they opened up at two and a half and then it went to three and then the um, – you know, the injury concern with Locke, and it only moved to three and a half, which is interesting. Is Locke definitely out? Not yet, but... I don't think... Oh, I agree. I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, just... <laughs> to yeah. be honest, because I've, I mean, I've done a lot of work studying this uh, Miami defense. They're, they might be the most fun defense uh, in the league to watch right now. Oh, they're covering off zero. Uh, I, yeah, I was, I was on it a little bit uh, in the offseason, um, and uh, especially early in the season. I think we kind of talked about it on, on this show, how it was a little surprising that Miami was one of the best pressure rate defenses in the league. I think it was a lot of when we were kind of talking about Pittsburgh, uh, but Miami was like up there, and now they've really gotten even more creative uh, with some of these blitzes, some of these wasn't uh, your take, you know, cover uh... zero blitzes. Your, your, your take was going back to last year that stylistically or personnel, like personnel was the only thing that hurt Miami last year, that what they did on defense was. Yes, they, yeah, they were doing yeah. a lot of cool things last year. They just didn't have the personnel to pull it off. Mm-hmm. And, now, and now they do. Um, you know, they've, they've kind of turned Shaq Lawson into uh, the player that has the highest pressure rate in the league right now among, um, among edge rushers, I think with at least a hundred pass rushes. Um, so they've gotten that, but a lot of that was with, you know, they, they trust that secondary right now, you know, there was that, uh, part of the time when, when Byron Jones wasn't on the field, he was hurt. Um, they didn't blitz as much, but when Byron Jones was healthy, they got back to blitzing. I think it was like a 17% blitz rate uh, when Byron Jones wasn't on the field. It's now like a 30% blitz rate when Byron Jones is on the field. So when they have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones on the field, uh, they, they trust that secondary is going to hold up so they can send everybody. And that's what they do. And especially against the chargers uh, this past week, I did write about this in first and 10. They just have everybody standing up on the line. No one's in a two or three, point stance there's there's no hands in the dirt just everybody standing up and like bouncing and bouncing around um and you have no idea who's coming sometimes it's seven guys and sometimes it's four you never when it's four you don't know which four and the guys who are dropping are dropping into exactly where the hot routes are supposed to be so whether it's drew lock who is you know a better quarterback in in theory than in practice um he just like he he can't do anything well um and his deep ball is uh, he's he's got the arm uh but he's got uh, no idea where it's going and i think that that's really showing it's really the past couple of weeks and then if it's not drew lock it's brett rippon and that's you know as much of a, a twitter favorite as uh brett rippon was uh during that draft um you know that, that that's not something that you want facing uh that miami um Miami defense and, and those blitzes and, and the coverage that holds back. They have everything working together right now. And then on the other side, and every time Tua has just got gotten better, uh, I think, and showing the display with some athleticism, showing how he can throw on the move. He's been super accurate uh, down the field. They're, they're getting, you know, Mike Kosecki involved. They're being really creative. They ran the week on the goal line um, last week. 
Um, and it was amazing to get Drew Smythe uh, of or, of all people uh, <laughs> wide open um, in the end zone. The key so they, to Dan's they, heart, the tight end they, leak play. They ran the leak on the goal line. It was amazing. Um, so I think they're just doing so much uh, – good right now um and I, denver just I, I don't know what denver really brings to the table the, the defense is good but i just i don't think they can hold up um with how well the miami offense has been playing it's getting better every week and that offense i don't think it has any chance of, of holding up with that defense dan i'm gonna you know what I, I i liked your your analysis here i'm gonna see if there is a line there may not even be a line right now um and i think that's maybe why it might reopen um, a little bit higher, probably closer to four and a half. But you're right. Like, there, there is no matchup here that makes sense for this line to only be three and a half. Um, there's just nothing that Denver does well <laughs> that can kind of take advantage of this Miami defense. You know, the only aspect you could have thought of is maybe if it was going to snow in Denver, if the weather was bad, you know, you, you got a Miami team going out to, to Denver. That could have been an issue. But I'm looking, it's 54 and sunny uh, on Sunday over there. There's just nothing to really take advantage of um, from a from a you know strategy or personnel standpoint to not like uh, Miami here. I mean, Denver's just a horrible. Even look at DVOA. I mean, Miami's up to like tenth, and Denver's thirty first. Like, there's nothing. There's no advanced number that you know. Sometimes you'll see you know a team that doesn't have a great record but is playing a lot better and you know maybe ranks higher in advanced metrics than you would think, and you know you get kind of a closer spread. But here it's it's not like that, and there's no home field advantage anymore. You know, maybe Denver has a little bit more because of the, you know, the, the altitude issue, but. Um, right, but that kind of goes away as it gets colder, right? right. And yeah, I think we've, we've seen the, the Denver home field advantage exactly. is really like those home games in September uh, where, where there's a, a huge uh, impact in the altitude. So, yeah, I mean, I just, it's one of those things where like, I, I don't look at, you know, the, the quality of the lines as often as you guys do, but that's just something that stands out to me having looked at these teams, knowing what they do and don't do well. And, and that just, that's a line that doesn't make sense to me at all. The only thing also is that, you know, Miami's lived off of special teams and defensive touchdowns the last handful of games. And so it's tough to, to predict, but still, I don't think that's enough to make up for this. So I am going to, you know, when this line reopens, Dan, I'm going to take Miami and you are going to get all the credit um on all the blame depending on what happened <laughs> no, i'm just kidding i actually I was just... eyeing that i was eyeing that before uh when i saw it open at two and a half i was late to the to pull the trigger and then you know the injury occurred with drew lock and, and it was off the board i thought it reopened at three and a half but i'm not i'm looking at my my uh sports book and i don't see it up there so maybe yeah i have uh, i have the DraftKings sports book open now and, and it is up at uh at three and a half um, yeah i like it i know that's I like there them this go. week, but I will say Miami is that team. Like they're like the Titans of last year for me, where like I I don't fully believe, and they're going to keep lifting money <laughs> off of me because of it, because they keep living on these you know very high variance plays. They get a block punt, they get a defensive touchdown, they don't produce any big plays on offense at all, um, and they live on having to get into the red zone to score touchdowns which like, you know, I, I want to keep fading that and it keeps biting me because they keep scoring defensive touchdowns. Uh, I do buy the defense though at this point, um, but uh, not this week against Denver because I think Denver is one of the worst teams in the NFL, uh, especially when Drew Locke actually plays. Um, the fact that they rolled into this season with no insurance on Drew Locke uh, was a travesty in, its, in itself because we found out what, what he's got. And they, they, they loaded the cupboard for him too. I mean, they gave him everything. He used all their high draft kit picks on these. And, and the picks look like they hit. Like Jerry Judy looks like a hit. Camler looks like a hit. Albert O looked like a hit while he was playing. Um, yeah, no, Tim Patrick it's... has come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, even uh, without uh, 
yeah, without um, uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, we have we've seen. Uh, yeah, it's you know this is this has still been a good group of of skill position guys, and and yeah, like, like I said, Drew Locke is is a better quarterback in theory uh, than in practice right now, and especially going back to watching that that Raiders game last week, and whew, that was a. Uh, Oh. That was one where you where you stick to the well, he's so bad. and don't really go back to it. He's so bad downfield, but only throws downfield. It's amazing. It's like really one of the most amazing like things. He's he is like one of the worst quarterbacks on throws over fifteen yards downfield, and like yep. second highest in like a temperate on those throws. He just can't help himself. He wants to push the ball downfield, and he's not good at it. And there we go. And then that'll bring us right back to the, uh, the Carson Wentz uh, <laughs> take we had at the beginning of the show. So I think we're going to uh, end there. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much for listening. Remember, uh, it is free week on Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, go to the site and click on the, the banner at the top of the page. That'll give you uh, everything you need to know about free week. Uh, you can find all of uh, Rich's work um, and the worksheet. Now you can follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. Uh, you can find uh, TA who have a, a betting preview um, heading up on the site to you know, talk about some of the stuff we talked about and some other uh, insights that he'll have for the week ahead. And you can find him on Twitter at CleveTA. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.